2: Hey, Netflix subscriber, are you still watching? I hope so, because you're listening to the great pop culture debate episode devoted to the best Netflix original series. I'm your host, who will be unceremoniously canceled after three seasons, Eric Resniak, and based on your viewing preferences, we think you'll enjoy our panel. He's the DVD that you forgot to mail back 10 years ago. Give it up for Mr. Curtis Creekmore.
0: Oh, so you're the reason that Blockbuster got canceled.
2: That's right, and your card has been denied. Carissa Kloss, you're always added to my watch list.
3: Oh, I'm adding you to mine
2: right now. Amazing frenzies. And I'm always down for a binge session with my good pal Kevin Dillon.
1: Binge and purge, baby. Hey, hey, hey.
2: All right. So first, let's go over how this all works. We made a list of every original series to air on Netflix between its start and April 2020 when we're recording this. Holla from the quarantine. (laughs) The shows had to air on U.S. Netflix, and they couldn't be continuations of series that had previously aired on other networks. So sorry, Rest Development and Great British Baking Show, you didn't count here. We had more than 150 people take the survey to find their favorites, and the top 32 vote-getters were ranked by popularity, added to a bracket, and then our panelists have made their own decisions. Now we get to argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. (laughs) So before we jump into the actual debates, let's go over the unanimous decisions in round one that we're not going to waste time discussing. Orange is the New Black trounced dead to me. Grace and Frankie devoured the Santa Clarita diet. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt sent a series of unfortunate events to the bunker. Tiger King made sure that the OA will never financially recover from this. Stranger Things didn't care about any of the 13 reasons why. Glow proved the veracity of Master of None's title. And The Crown ended the reign of One Day at a Time before it even began. So now we get to the fun part. It's debate. In the case of Nailed It versus Sex Education, we were split 50-50. So, Carissa, can you talk to me about what you enjoyed about sex education?
3: Absolutely, Um, I think that this is a really fun and fresh take on the coming of age teen genre that we've seen time and again. But I think this one's just different enough that makes it definitely worth a watch. There's a lot of uh, representation of all kinds of different sexuality. Uh, It's very judgment free. We get a lovely Gillian Anderson as our protagonist mom, uh, and it's a really fun, cute way of kind of. Seriously, but funnily, addressing some of the issues facing teens these days.
2: Yeah, and it's set in the 80s and has a great soundtrack from the episodes I've watched, too.
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to argue for Nailed It, although I'm not going to do a very good job of it, because honestly, having thought about it and listened to Carissa's erudite explanation on sex education, Nailed It is, I think, arguably the best of Netflix's uh, reality shows, but it's still not great. Uh, I think it's fun. I think Nicole Byer is a great host. But if you've watched two or three episodes, you've literally seen everything you need to know about Nailed It. It's all the same formula. Um, and so I think it's fun. I'm glad it made the ballot. I, I'm glad it exists. But I'm not going to sit here and argue that it should take a place since over a sex education. So are we good moving sex education on?
0: I am. I picked it. Yes. Yes, I pick. I picked Nailed It as well, Eric, but you you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And while it's a fun little romp, it's the same thing every time. So yes, completely fine with sex education.
2: Confidential to Netflix, I would absolutely pay money to buy the gold money gun that they use at the end of each episode. <laughs> and I would just shoot that all over my titties all day and night. Like <laughs> That's where the money is.
0: Also- if there's maybe like a calendar of hoyas oh, that is out there um they could probably market that and it would be rather, probably you know like relatively popular exactly
1: i think the thing that would make me like it more which i do i've actually kind of stopped watching it it nailed it that is is um i love nicole Byron. and i think she's hilarious and she's actually improved as a host i just kind of wish they let her be her like stand up comedy self like a little dirtier But I get it's for family, but I wish they'd have at least some snippets of more clever double entendre.
2: She is amazingly filthy, and I agree. Unshackle Nicole Byer. Let her be the great slut that we know her to be. Yep. All right. So moving on, we had a homicide showdown between Mindhunter and Making a Murderer, and we were also split 50-50. So Kevin, why don't you talk to me about what you like about Mindhunter?
1: Mindhunter, I think, is one of the best shows that Netflix has ever made, I think, in looking at the way the two shows could be similar. They're both about the mind of a killer, but what Mindhunter does more is it, you know, undergoes into kind of creating a profile around why and how white men are the the go-to standard of this, but it studies the psychology of what, what these folks are trying to get at with like serial killers and things like that. And it's, it's just beautifully shot. It's fascinating, great performances. They did actually, they went to meet Charles Manson in season two, which is, was really fascinating, but all these different uh, contingents. And then in season two, they also explore uh, the guy who was kidnapping and killing young black men in Atlanta, um, which is going, they're going to do an HBO documentary about that too. It's, it's a, a, Time that a lot of people don't talk about, um, and I think the show does a beautiful job of exploring race in a, a really interesting and meaningful way. And you don't really get that from shows like this. So,
2: and you also mentioned that you like the acting, especially Jonathan Groff.
1: Yes. Oh, Jonathan Groff is amazing. the The kind of hoops that you see him him his own psychology jump through is really interesting in the show. And then the other. Uh, lead actor Holt McCallany is this kind of like more like stoic could be seen as very boring character but you really get to delve into his family too and his son actually in the show starts to you know have tendencies that a serial killer would show at a young age so it, it gets into the the depth and breadth of parenthood as you realize that this might be your child it's really really deep and kind of frightening but yet beautifully done.
2: Well, thank goodness my mom didn't pick up on those tendencies when I was a kid because otherwise we would not be having this conversation right now. Uh, I'm going to speak about Making a Murderer, which I actually had going pretty far in my bracket. I hear everything Kevin's saying about Mindhunter. Admission, I have not watched it. I have been yelled at by several well-meaning, intelligent friends for not watching Mindhunter, so I need to fix that. But I think Making a Murderer is a hugely important series for Netflix. I think it is the documentary series that really put Netflix on the map uh, in terms of its kind of true crime reporting and now it has several very strong entries in that area but more than that um Making a Murderer has alerted the country to this case, yes, and this case is, I know there's lots of hot takes on it, whether you can believe what uh, the documentary is putting forward, whether that's accurate or not, but the bottom line is it's still a case that has some pretty big question marks, and more than that, it really shines a light on how easily it is for average people to get railroaded by the justice system in this country. I, I have been shocked watching that show, especially the Brendan Dassey portions of it at what is clearly a miscarriage of justice even in the best of situations um and so i i think it's a very important show i think it's an important show for netflix uh, i hope they've come back with additional seasons because this continues to unfold but i also understand why we would take it out at this point so i'm going to put it up to a vote do we go with Mindhunter hunter or do we go with making a murderer
0: i'm
3: for Mindhunter.
0: me too i'm for making a murderer <laughs> <laughs> sorry can't help it
2: I am fine changing my vote on this one because, again, having not seen Mindhunter, um, I I don't feel strongly that I can make a a case on it, but I will also say that... um justice for looking, so for that, I'm going to give Jonathan Groff Groff this grace and put it on through. Carissa, you were the lone person who voted for Ozark over Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Can you explain yourself, please?
3: (laughs) Well, this is hard for me because I love Sabrina. I see it as kind of like... The new Buffy, you know, it's really doing that for teens. I don't know, whoever I watch it. I'm in my late (laughs) 30s. But Ozark is just so good. It is all of the best things about like Breaking Bad and Bloodline, which is also criminally overlooked, I think. It's also, it's a Jason Bateman joint, which is kind of like, he's been, I don't know if you've all been paying attention or if anyone watched The Outsider, which was on HBO, um, a Stephen King thing, Uh, but he's been producing and directing and starring in these things. And it's kind of amazing. So we get Jason Bateman, Laura Linney as his wife, who has kind of a Lady Mm, Macbeth turn as the series goes (laughs) along. And, oh, you know it. And Julia Garner, who is kind of on the rise, I don't know if if you've really recognized her in other stuff, but she was in The Americans. She plays Ruth in this series, who is kind of a um, antagonist that becomes. Uh, more valuable to the family as things go on. There's just a lot of intrigue on various levels. You get mob stuff, local governments as well as um the Mexican drug lords, and, you know, a family just trying to like be a family when they have, annoying teen kids, you know? It's it's definitely worth watching. And I am very disappointed in all of you for not for not picking it to go further.
2: Listen, that all sounds amazing, but does it have fuckable Satan? That's the question.
3: <laughs> and with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Curtis to
2: talk about Sabrina.
0: I I, I hadn't even had that on my list, but good lord, literally. Um, so to be fair, I have not seen Ozark, but if you were to base this on just a reality check. I think a show about the witch daughter of Satan is just much more likely to happen than anyone moving from Chicago to bumfuck Missouri. That's just (laughs) much more likely to happen. I know a lot of people are comparing Ozark to Breaking Bad and saying it's like it pulled heavily from it. But, you know, if I wanted to watch Breaking Bad, I would watch Breaking Bad instead. Um, I think... (laughs) Zing it, sister. (laughs) (laughs) I think this reboot of Sabrina... The Sabrina franchise adds a layer of spook that was really missing from the previous series. It gives us Kiernan Shipka, who has developed into a young actress who has really come into her own from the Mad Men days. Um, the acting of the rest of the show really does have a couple problem spots, which is to be expected when you have younger actors, but there are a few characters who really shine for me, most notably Lucy Davis as Aunt Hilda and Michelle Gomez of Dr. Who fame as Mary Wardwell um, and I would honestly watch a full series just of Hilda like give her a spin-off. I will give you extra money Netflix just give her her time um, I think the thing that I like most about this version of Sabrina and what puts it over Ozark for me is the fearlessness while both of those shows really heavily pull from other inspirations. Sabrina makes no qualms at all about the irreverence and dives headfirst into blasphemy and the occult, which so many shows in this vein really shy away from.
2: Hail Satan. Yes, hail, hail Satan. Hail I would
0: Satan. Satan. the things mm, I would do. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm I'm gonna step off my soapbox because I think that's plenty enough.
2: That's plenty. I didn't bring out the gavel, but I could have. I'm um, sorry. That's okay. No, we love you, and and uh, thank you very much. So let's talk about. At this point, is anyone gonna change their votes for Ozark?
3: I'm fine with you moving Sabrina forward. I just needed to make my case,
2: and you did a beautiful
3: yep. job of it. They're I will, both. I will tra- they're both excellent shows. So.
2: Gotcha. Speaking of all, both excellent shows, uh, Netflix sure seems to love damaged women with substance abuse issues because <laughs> the voters on our poll really loved both Russian Doll and Jessica Jones. My panelists were three for Russian Doll. I was the lone Jessica Jones vote. So, Kevin, speak to me on Russian Doll and why you prefer that.
1: Yeah, I I think you know a lot of people could. Natasha Lyonne, number one, is a genius. I think she's Mm -hmm. incredibly funny. I've been a huge fan of hers since Slums of Beverly Hills. And then, I mean, the American Pie, I guess it's franchised. There's four of them. (laughs)
2: Jesus (laughs) Christ.
1: She, like, those movies, I have seen them recently, and they are not good, but she is a legend in them. And it's really funny. Um, And she brings a lot of that depth and wit to this, like, pseudo, like, Groundhog Day, Freaky Friday. Well, they don't switch bodies, but they connect. Like she has this connection to another person who also keeps dying, and like it's this like sci-fi comedy, just like fantasy. It's just really, really so brilliantly written. Um, I believe she has a a mainly female female creative team behind the scenes. Um, It's just a very fun show. I was hoping they'd keep it to one season just because it was perfectly contained. But, you know, Netflix, they're going to run it two more seasons. And as you said, cancel it unceremoniously on a third.
2: Yeah, and actually, that's a good lead into uh, Jessica Jones, which uh, I argue also probably would have been better off for itself had it been canceled after season one, which I thought was excellent. I thought it was one of the best of the Marvel shows on Netflix. Um, I thought it went completely off the rails in season two. And to be honest, I never watched season three at all, which sidebar was something i noticed a lot about uh when i was doing this survey how many of the shows i started was super into rocky second seasons never even bothered to finish it um i do think that jessica jones is good and worth discussing christian murder is excellent in it i actually also really like the supporting work they did with um i know most people hated the trish character but i thought she was super interesting um but it's It's a great character. It introduced a character most people did not know from the Marvel Universe to audiences. And I would love to see uh, Kristen Ritter and Jessica Jones come back in some format in the future of the MCU. But I fully understand why we would put through uh, Russian Doll. So I'm not going to stand in its way. Are we all fine moving that forward? Yes.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yep.
2: All right, we had another 50-50 split for the Umbrella Academy and The Witcher. Kevin, I'm going to let you talk about Umbrella Academy first.
1: I've watched three episodes of each, um, (laughs) and the one I hate less was the Umbrella Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Okay, should I switch to Carissa?
1: no, 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 no. This was like one of those where I was like, If I were Sophie, I'd give them both my kids. Like, (laughs) But with that said, I did think to speak positively towards Umbrella Academy, Academy, I picked that because I thought it was just a little bit more interesting and dynamic. I thought it was definitely the writing was better than The Witcher. And like, I just thought I liked the visual creative experience that I had during it. It just wasn't a show fully for me that I got into and I read a lot of comics. But it was it was. It was better than I guess I expected it to be, to be honest. So that that won me over on that one.
2: Okay. I will speak on behalf of The Witcher. The fact that you only watched three episodes and ditched it, first of all, I get it completely because I think I watched those with you.
1: You Um, did.
2: Yep. Um, The first three episodes are not good. I would actually call them borderline terrible. However, the show gets markedly better the episode that Henry Cavill starts taking off his shirt and I don't think that's an accident um, the last like five episodes of Witcher season one are really strong in my opinion they're they're not quite to Game of Thrones level but it's getting there um, there's a, a really kind of important episode that happens where uh, the female character the, the primary female character kind of goes through this transformation and it really sets the entire show up on its true trajectory and I was getting my fucking life Why Watching Jennifer like come into her power. I mean, she's got the great smoky eye going on, and it was Every everything, honey, <laughs> everything. So um it, it, I, I will say this: like, I agree, it starts off really rough, but once you get into the first half, like past the first half of this first season, which are solid. And I'm not just saying that because I would do unspeakable things to Henry Cavill in bed. Unspeakable <laughs> things. So we have to vote. Uh, It's 50-50. Is anyone willing to change their vote?
1: No. I will. To Witcher? We'll give it to Witcher. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Carissa, do you have anything else to say on behalf of Umbrella Academy since we're leaving it behind?
3: I'm a terrible advocate because I've only watched one and a half episodes of this show. (laughs) This was the one matchup where I hadn't seen either. But I did enjoy what I saw of Umbrella Academy and also Ellen Page is always a bonus point in my book. Mm
1: -hmm. But I'm fine with
3: you moving forward, Witcher.
0: Let's move forward with it, Home Slice. <laughs> the fact that four people could look at, well, maybe they didn't look at Henry Cable in a bathtub and not unanimously decide to move him forward to the next round is really sad.
2: <laughs> I yeah. know. It's, it's un-American is what yeah. it is.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen it, so.
0: Oh, I think he's, is he Canadian? I think he's British. 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 British, Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: All right, Kevin, you were the lone person who picked Dear White People over Sensate. I'm pretty sure that makes the rest of us racist by default. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, do you want to talk about Dear White People? And then I'm going to pass it on to Curtis for his rebuttal on Sensate.
1: Yeah, I I think Sensate is delightful. Um, I think it's a really interesting exploration. And I'm fine with it moving forward. But I'm fine with that happening but I guess I have to speak to dear white people because that's I'm the only the lone holdout um it's a really brilliant show it explores the concepts of racism and the subversion and microaggressions that um they do discover more discuss more than um black black or african-american identity but it's mainly about the black experience um in higher education and They go into colorism, they go into homophobia and the intersections of that. There's uh, a gender fluid character in the second season. They go into levels of masculinity and what it means to be a Black Republican. And it's such a fascinating show. It was a good movie, but I think the show takes it to another level. And it's very, very, very,
0: very funny. I would highly recommend.
2: Yeah. Uh, Curtis, talk to me about Sensei, please.
0: Well, you I'm just gonna point out that you want the southerner in the group to support the non-racist white people. Yeah, um, exactly. Good luck. So <laughs> I Sense8 to me is what NBC's heroes should have been, which is a show with a beautiful, diverse cast of specially powered people who were occasionally naked. I think the main idea behind the show that there is a connection with people around the globe who are totally different from you is a beautiful sentiment in what is a truly terrifying polarizing time. The show did a cliffhanger the right way. You never really knew what was coming next, and while it was maddening to not completely understand it, it wasn't like lost where you were just like lost. I think the eventual downfall of the show um, was the fact that they were going on site on location for so many of their shoots, but that was also the most beautiful piece of it that they would willingly spend so much money to go where they were supposed to go. Um, And then did I mention the sex scenes? Because the show had some truly beautiful people and I appreciated how willing they were to go in a very sensual direction. Gay sex, straight sex, intimate scenes with a trans character, a trans character actually being played by a trans actress. Um, Netflix has really kind of turned that corner on trans rights, which I really appreciate.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, um, Kevin, you're fine if we advance Sensei over Dear White People?
1: I Yeah, I mean, I get both. I get both. I mean, I personally think Dear White People is a higher, le- like it's a better show, a top tier show. I think Sensei is a, a beautiful and very meaningful show. But beautiful and meaningful work went out.
2: All right. Well, we'll move that one forward. We were also split on Queer Eye and She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Mm -hmm. Curtis, I'm going to turn to you for backing up Queer Eye, if you will.
0: So this was honestly one of the toughest decisions in this bracket for me. And it's right out of the gate. Like This is first round. I didn't watch the original She-Ra as it was before my time, but I did watch the- Gasp. I'm sorry. I was born when that show was being made, so I couldn't really watch it, or maybe I did, and I just can't remember it. Um, but I did watch the original Queer Eye, and this new Shira has a sparkle huh, that a lot of new animated shows are lacking, and a kick-ass theme song that I sing every little, literally every time it comes on. But when I thought about what Queer Eye brings to the table. I had to choose it instead. The reboot of the series is all anyone could talk about when it first came out. And that included a lot of people that I never thought would have wanted to watch that show. It was seriously an event. Um, While the show absolutely had some serious issue problems like Tan France's French tuck (laughs) that absolutely no one ever should wear, um, Anthony's inability to cook anything, and Karamo's constant attempt at being a licensed counselor, which I'm pretty sure he isn't. The idea of the show that people who are different from you, helping you to love yourself more is just so powerful to, over, like, I, I couldn't not choose it.
2: All right. I hear you on all of that. Kevin, why did you pick Shira?
1: I just think that She-Ra is, Netflix has a lot of Animated programming, but I think this is their best animated program for like young to teen to. 30, 40 year olds, like, you know, they're like, it's such an all ages experience that I think is meaningful. There's really interesting and good stories. The animation is beautiful. It is, it's just a stunning and very well-made animated series. And I was old enough to see the original Uh, (coughs) Curtis. Uh, (laughs) Don't age
0: discriminate, Kevin.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I think they're two different beings and they don't really need to lean in on or be the exact of what the other was. So I like that this does something different and special. And it's very empowering to young women and young, just young kids. It's such an empowering show.
2: That's honestly why I gave the the edge over Queer Eye. And I love both shows. But um ra is, if I was a seven to 10 year old girl right now. I mean, I am inside, but you're not. Yeah. I was was. (laughs) going to ask. I would be so all about that show. And um, I think it's actually really well written. And I think the animation is beautiful. Um, Does anybody based on that want to change their vote to support Shira or Queer Eye?
1: I want to say, I don't like Queer Eye. I think it's still actively bad. And I, I think it, it, the problem that I have with it, the original obviously was problematic. I don't find this, I think the I am just, it gives me a cavity. And like, it's not, it's too saccharine. It's too, sometimes all lives mattery. Um, like, and, and not per se in a good way, where it, I think, sometimes tries to wash out identity. Interesting. I know that I've watched very little of it, but that's what I saw in the first season. Um, and people tell me, "Oh, go watch this episode. You'll cry." And I'm like, "I don't really, no cry. It's like, yeah, I, I don't I just... want to cry. Really cry. I'm <sighs>
2: inside. That's part of my brand. Well, it's like...
1: like I don't mind crying, but like, don't tell me to watch this to do that. Like, I feel like that is the experience of queer eye. It's like mm-hmm. people. It's like this is us. Like the shows overly emotionally manipulate you to feel." This, like, everything's great, and it's just not my lane. It's just not.
2: Carissa, where do you calm down on this?
3: I am – I love Queer Eye. I don't think it's manipulative. I do think it is very sweet, and – Right now, like that is what I need when it came out on Netflix. Like, yeah, everyone was talking about it, and it was exactly what I needed and what a lot of my friends needed, too. It, it, I mean, two words national treasure, Jonathan Van Ness, which is way more than two words, that's five, but like. Like how th- that's the tipping point for me. Like we would not have this amazing human, you know, as widespread, wide known uh, as we do without this show. And I think like that alone is worth it.
2: I mean, Gay of Thrones should have made him a national name, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll take this. And actually, Carissa, that was exactly what I needed to hear. I hadn't <laughs> been considering Jonathan. You've mm-hmm. changed my vote. I'm switching oh, to.
1: Sorry, yes. thank I you. I Just hate this show so much with all (laughs) my fiery passion, but let it be.
2: Let it be. All right. We had two other adult animated shows that went dick to dick. We were (laughs) split on Big Mouth and Bojack Horseman. Curtis, why Big Mouth?
0: (sighs) I think you could easily say that Big Mouth is just another irreverent animated comedy that like falls into the same vein as Family Guy or South Park And you'd be right, but I think Big Mouth takes you there. Like, it's just, it's different. When it comes to BoJack, the lead character is so unlikable that I couldn't even bear to finish a full season. There is no redeeming quality to be found. I sat during Christmas with my brother-in-law and watched several episodes, and it was just, God, I, I couldn't, I couldn't make it through an entire season because there was nothing to keep me coming back. There was no, like, save the cat moment. Big Mouth is a fresh concept. I mean, a horse being a person, I guess, is a fresh concept. But like, who would have thought that putting children going through puberty in an animated perspective would be interesting and funny? Like, I certainly would have never done that. But it it works. The writing on the show is phenomenal. Um, the sense of humor is very clearly that of Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. And it's just so smart the idea of anthropomorphizing ideas like depression and shame and even general hormones into hilarious characters and then casting fucking megastars like Gene Smart and Maya Rudolph is a stroke of genius.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, you just have to say Maya Rudolph, hormone monster, and right. that's the end of the discussion.
0: B- bubble bath. Like, that's it. That fucking made it. Like, there you go. That's why it moved forward. Carissa, why BoJack Horseman?
3: Uh, this was a really hard matchup for me. This was my hardest decision to make because I also love Big Mouth for all of the reasons that have been noted. And this is going to be kind of my thing moving forward is that Big Mouth has, what, two seasons plus a special and BoJack is is a six season complete series and so and I Bojack maybe has some stumbles but I think it is solid all the way through Um, I think it is smart it is funny it is sad it is really sad Um, (laughs) sad. it is and Bojack is not likable and by the end he is really not likable but there are but it's still but there's enough to keep you interested and like there are likable characters Diane. Character arc is amazing. Princess Carolyn is a really like interesting character for me, and the last season with her is is one of my favorite things about the entire show. So I think um, just in the fact that it is it has made the full arc and has been strong all the way through, and it gives us so much stuff like well, like depression dog. You know, like there's there's so much here that is so rich and. I think it it deserves all of the credit it's getting.
2: All right. Well, with these arguments, does anyone want to change their vote? Because we are 50-50 right now.
1: I, this was a tough one for me, too. I mean, I, le- I love both of them. I love what BoJack does for, like, mental health. Um, I love what Big Mouth does for... Honestly, even adults understanding their own bodies.
2: <laughs> Teen sluts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I think that is- Stump It's so funny. Oh, maybe I will switch to Big Mouth because I love Lola. Oh, yeah.
3: can amazing. I just say the BoJack, the one, the, like, there are some standalone episodes in BoJack that are incredible. Like, the underwater one where he goes to that film festival is amazing.
0: But are we arguing about individual episodes, or are we arguing about a series as a whole? I'm saying this gives you both. If I wanted to watch a series about unlikable characters, I would watch Orange Is the New Black. Oh, well, we'll get to that in round two. But
2: uh, Kevin, will you will you change your mind to Big Mouth?
0: I will. Yeah, okay. I will.
1: Yay!
2: So sorry, Carissa. It's that one is fine. Is it? Is it fine? Is it? It's fine. It's fine. Okay.
3: I know where you all live. That's right.
2: All right. Wait. Finally, for to wrap up round one, Kevin was the lone standout voting for Daredevil over House of Cards. So Kevin, Oof. explain yourself.
1: <laughs> I just can't support a world where we let Kevin Spacey succeed. All right. Okay. You know, but I'll say this. I, I, I outside of that, I watched most of that show. It was also, it was based on a British show that lasted three seasons and it knew what it wanted to do. And Netflix's, this was one of Netflix's first successful shows. And in the beginning, Netflix was following the Showtime model where they're just going to let a show beat itself into the ground a la Dexter or any of their other very, very forgettable shows. But like, that's what Netflix did with House of Cards. It literally beat it into the ground. The only thing I can say is like props to robin wright for saving people's jobs in the end and letting it go one more season but it just got hella messy
2: Uh, yeah and i won't i won't deny that and we'll get into what sucks about house of cards and future rounds when we will be free to tear to shreds but i want to talk about daredevil for a second and give me like the brief 30 second pitch why you really think daredevil should move forward
1: I mean, at least it like provided this like really interesting, uh, like it basically cleansed the palate of the Ben Affleck film. It showed Daredevil in its truest form, this like gritty lawyer who was out to fight for folks. Um, the portrayal of Kingpin was done really interestingly. Um, you had three seasons of amazing choreo- fight choreography, fun stories about. You know, this really interesting comic book character. I just think you had three more consistent seasons of a fine show versus like one and a half good seasons and then five seasons of garbage.
2: Interesting. So, I'll speak on House of Cards. I think actually the first three seasons of House of Cards are excellent. I don't remember which one has Major Dad in it uh, playing the financier. That's
1: Mr. Delta Burke to you. Great. Exactly. Mr. Delta
2: Burke. Um, No, Gerald McRaney. But uh, that season is Awesome. I really think the first three seasons of that show are great across the board. You are completely correct that after uh, Jesus, I think once he becomes president is when the show really starts to lose itself, although there's still some good stuff in there. But um, we'll set aside the Kevin Spacey problem, right, which may even be problematic to do in and of itself. But Robin Wright is killer on that show. Mm-hmm. Robin Wright is great yeah. throughout. I actually look at her character as the protagonist for it um, more than I look at him. And uh, I think it is hugely important to the Netflix story as a service, as an organization. Without House of Cards, you don't have Netflix.
1: You mean and- the the company would fall down like a House of Cards? Uh, there you go. <laughs> But, like,
2: realistically, it was their first real original that they actually put money into. I don't know if anyone... Like, technically, they had two... Like, Hemlock Grove was before that. Hemlock Grove was a garbage program. Terrible. Don't watch it. The fuck is that? It's terrible. It is a supernatural show that um, had Gray Scott and... um, What's her face?
1: Flamka Jansen.
2: Flamka Jansen. So it should have been good. And actually the kid who played Pennywise in the recent It remakes, that's where you got to start. Um, Bill Sarsgaard. Oh. And it's awful. It is really embarrassingly bad. Like even the stars on it by the end of season one were like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in this. <laughs> but anyway, like with House of Cards, they did it and they did it right. And I think for that and and because the first three seasons are so strong I'm pushing it through Uh, Kevin you're outnumbered on this one you made really good
1: points where I would have switched
2: amazing and that's the end of part one of our best Netflix original series debate come back later this week for part two in which we take the sweet 16 and narrow them down to the elite eight will unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt burn Sabrina the teenage witch at the stake can glow body slam sense eight and stranger things and the crown enter the queue In the meantime, head over to greatpopculturedebate.com to share your opinion on the round one bouts and tell us who you will hope will win it all.